Yo, what's good, extended fam? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. <laughs> yeah. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. I recommend a computer. We're professionals here. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Try to catch me slipping there. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Chip. <clears throat> testing, testing, one, two, three. Audio Fam Network and the Podcast Brothers Production presents the 700 Block Podcast with your host, me, Flaw 700 from Trenton, New Jersey, live on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. By the time this gets to you, it'll be Monday. But it's still all good And on this episode we'll be discussing people of color Only hiring people of color The non-people of color who feel discriminated on Because people of color won't hire them And women negotiating equal pay Oh snap (laughs) Helping me with this conversation is the founder of the Echo Me Ford The Afro-Latina bombshell Miss Shannon Morales. Yes, yes, yes. How Thank are you. you? I'm doing really great, and I really appreciate you having me. I appreciate you coming on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, this is my baby. This is my project. So when people come through to kick it with me, it means a lot to me. Right. You know, I put a lot. I put a lot into potting. This is my fourth year potting. Mm-hmm. June will make fourth four years. That's really dope. Yeah. Really dope. Yeah. So I'm out here trying to figure out a way to. You know, survive out here, not based on punching the clock every day. So whether it be potting or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. what you just want to say? And I think that's like um, a lot of us right now, we're trying to find a way to have like a good balance of things that we're passionate about mm-hmm. and things that actually, you know, pay for us to survive and sustain living. So that's the, our nine to five. And then our side has, hustle kind of fuels, fuels our passion. So I think it's important to have both. In order to be happy and live a fulfilled fulfilled life. So before, because you got a bunch of gems that you want to drop. I'm going to drop a lot today. Before yeah. you get into your bag, though, I would just love to ask you, yeah. um, you know, how's your mental health? <laughs> I always got to start. The I was whole. like, you didn't tell me you were going to ask me about my mental health. Um, <laughs> so I will say, like, I'm probably the happiest that I've ever been mm. today. And that's when I kind of made that shift towards you know, what really makes me happy. And I was constantly, you know, trying to climb the corporate ladder. Um, I have a degree in finance, just, you know, really trying to follow the steps that people said, this is how you're going to be successful. You're going to go to school, then you're going to go to college, then you're going to get your master's, Mm -hmm. and then you'll, you know, you'll get a job, you'll work for the rest of your life. And, you know, that's supposed to make you happy. I was miserable. I was making good money, but I was completely miserable. And, you know, when I started my business, that's when I was like, wow, I can live my life on my own terms, and that's what makes me happy. So my mental health right now is the best that it's ever been. Mm. That's kind of like the conversation that I've been having on this podcast for a few weeks straight now and for, for, for a few years. It's like we're that generation mm-hmm. where we're kind of like changing the conversation right? to where, yeah, you would think it's go to school, go to college, get your degrees, and go to work and hopefully collect some checks when you retire right. and live that happy life. Absolutely. I think we figured that that's not really realistic. 
Right. And that journey doesn't really make us happy. Absolutely. You know, um, waking up every day. Example, you know, this is just a thought of mine. Like, you know, my work schedule. Mm -hmm. I work six days a week. And two of those days are overtime, right? I'm supposed to work Monday through Thursday, 10-hour shifts. Right. But they got us in there Friday and Saturday pumping out homes, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to run my business on company time. Right. Because you're taking all my personal time. Right. But I'm sitting there like, so you got us in here for 50-something hours of week to make sure that you rich people get the million-dollar bonuses. You think you're slick. <laughs> right. You think you're slick. You got us in here. Our lives. We have no lives. Right. Nobody that works in my department is allowed to have a life. No. And I might have took it as so far as saying this is modern-day slavery. It yeah, is. you paying us. The benefits is good. But, mm-hmm. boy, we don't have time to do anything. No, 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 no. You add no. kids to the mix or you add anything any type of uh, um, you know outside adventure that you got going on, and you're really you know you don't have time for anything. You know, um, yes, you're allowed to take off and schedule vacations, but at the end of the day, forty hours is forty hours. Right. Then you got people saying the first thing people tell you is overtime. Fuck that overtime. <laughs> <laughs> like overtime is not going to make me rich or wealthy. It's a few extra dollars. Yes, it's nice. But yeah. just got to get out of that mind state that it's okay to work a thousand hours as long as it's overtime. Right, right. I don't know much about overtime. Ah, <laughs> uh, salary. Yeah, talk I'm that boss salary. talk. I'm sorry. <laughs> overtime was that. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, I know like bonus <laughs> season and we get like 10%, but mm. I don't know anything about overtime. But I know even as a salary worker, like you're expected to put in those extra hours. You don't get extra you pay. You don't get extra pay, right? Right. So it's just whatever your salary is, like, you put in those 70 hours a week, 60 hours a week, If it, especially if it, anyone's in finance. You know, you have those um, quarter closes. You have annual budgets and stuff like that where you have to work those extra hours to get those numbers in. And you're just expected to do it because that's a part of your job. I'm over here playing checkers and you playing chess. So I don't know about no uh, overtime salary. <laughs> uh, my man, I don't know what you talking about. You talking that small talk, small change. Before we go too far to the episode, but I know I gave you a tremendous introduction. Oh, you want me to get my own. But you might want to give yourself <laughs> another one just to let the people, the listeners, the extended family know mm-hmm. who exactly on this other end. And if you're listening on the audio, you have no idea of how gorgeous this woman is that I'm sitting next to. For those of you that's going to be watching on YouTube, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so my name is Shannon Morales. I am the founder of Echo Me Forward. Echo Me Forward is a platform that connects diverse talent to equitable companies. So we really aim to help a certain demographic just reach career success through training, programs, uh, curated events, networking, and also by giving them jobs uh, with people that are actually checking for you. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's always a big thing is that when you see posts on LinkedIn, you see posts on Indeed, People get afraid of actually applying to those jobs because they think that their resume is going to get lost in a black box. Mm. Um, I'm also the new chapter director of Techadia, which is the largest organization of Latinx in tech. (laughs) I am bringing the chapter to Philadelphia. Um, They currently have one in Jersey and New York, but I'll be the first person bringing it to Philadelphia. Nice, nice. So give me a little backstory because obviously... 
you have a passion for this. Mm-hmm. But when did it kind of wake you up on some, you know what, this is what the people, this is what my people need? Yeah, yeah. When did, when did that come to you? Sure. Um, so I remember my first finance job out of college. Um, it was Time a finance. Out. So you've always been in finance. That's always been your thing. Um, my degree has been in finance. Okay, I okay. have no experience in what my business actually is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of crazy. I went four years, um, got a degree at William Patterson in Wayne, New Jersey. Anybody know William Patterson? So um, I got a degree in finance. Four years, you know, I was like, I'm going to do finance because I was like, that's where all the money was at at the yeah. time. Everybody was trying to get into finance, investing and all that. So I got my degree in finance and my first job was a finance rotational program uh, in pharmaceuticals in um, Princeton right here. And I went through 10 interviews, um, aced all the interviews, got in, then I had to do a 15-minute presentation, so I bust my behind to get this job. Mm-hmm. The second rotation, I ended up being paired with um, a discriminating boss. Mm. He gave me no work. Um, he gave me no feedback. I think I saw the man. We maybe had one meeting the whole year. And then at the end of the year, he gave me a performance review and set and gave me no salary increase, no bonus. He basically said, you want to work here again for the next year? You're going to stay. Your salary is going to yeah. stay exactly the same. So basically everything that I just accomplished meant nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I started a volleyball program. I started an internal co- cohort. I presented to the CEO. And he basically took all those accomplishments and threw them out the door. Mm. Um, I even asked, because they had tuition reimbursement, so I asked for my MBA to be paid for. And he said only the top performers are going to have their tuition reimbursed. Basically saying, like, I wasn't good enough to have them pay for my MBA program. Meanwhile, he's ignoring all the good exactly. enough stuff that you're doing. Meanwhile, I'm doing all these initiatives that are company-wide yeah. that are still being used today. Mm. So that, to me, it really bothered me because I'm like, wow, I'm busting my behind for these people, and this one person is stopping me from being great. Yeah. So I took that, I took that and I used it as fuel to create my own business, and, I'm, and I said, I'm going to partner minorities, I'm going to partner or connect people of color to better career opportunities. And that means at companies that are actually saying, we value your contribution to our business Mm -hmm. and to our teams. And that's how Ecomy Forward started. It was just me being a freelance recruiter on the side. I had no HR experience, no recruiting experience at all. It was just something that I was passionate about. And three years, fast forward three years of where I'm at today, and I'm taking um, my business digital and now it's going to be a tech startup so how did you take it when you were feel like you were being you know mistreated at the job was it gender first or was it race first or was it just like you know what this is because i'm black and latino and i'm a woman did you just mix it all in together well (laughs) well i knew that he had done it to three other women of color before me okay and i thought that maybe it wouldn't happen to me Uh. And I kind of played that card like, well, it's not going to happen to me because, like, I'm going to bust my behind and, you know, it's not going to be an issue for me. And then I was like, well, you know, maybe I'm half Latino and (laughs) ah, I could kind of, like, skate Uh, by the racism. So not only am I a woman, but because I'm black, because I'm mixed with it. Okay. Okay. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, it happened to me, and it was just one of those things that really opened my eyes. And I'm like, if it happened to me, it can happen to anybody. Yeah. You know, because I knew I was qualified. I was doing my job, probably overqualified for the role that I had. 
And I was like, if this is happening to me, I just wonder what's what else is happening out there to the rest of our community. And that's when you, you know, put that cape on and was just like, you know, there's something yeah. that I can do. Because not everybody does that. They right. just say, you know what, I'm just going to get a whole nother job and hopefully I find a boss that's going to like me. Right. Instead of you taking that path, you was like, you know, I'm going to be the boss and I'm going to make the change. Yes. Yes. A funny story. Right, a powerful, impactful story though that I remember you were telling me about um, negotiating, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought that this was like so incredible to talk about, especially for women, because what I hear now, what I hear a lot, you know, thanks to social media, is that women, you know, as far as the pay go, Mm -hmm. it's just not on the same level, regardless Mm -hmm. of where we're at, what we're doing. Women have a hard time getting equal pay, right? But you, on the other hand, though, you. You came into uh, interviews kicking down doors. If you don't give me what I'm asking for. Right, right, yeah. Talk dirty to me. Uh, How did that go? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, like I said, you know, it's been years of me just struggling. It's been a struggle, and I think it got to a point where I said enough is enough. You know, I come here, I bring to you, like, multiple qualifications. Not only that, like, I'm going to add value to your team by X, Y, and Z. And I think a lot of times women feel like, you know, they just want to settle for whatever they're getting, but they don't really articulate, you know, what they want. And I think that that's really big, that we have to really as a, not only as a community, but also as women of color, we have to say, listen, I deserve this because this is what I'm bringing to the table. Um, I guess I'll go into a story about, I just interviewed a woman. She has... I don't know, over 10 years experience, she has a master's degree, and she's making what I was making when I was a rotational in a rotational program. Yeah. So a rotational program is literally like maybe internship level. She has a master's degree, 10 years of experience, and she's making what I was making back then, actually less than mm. what I was making. And I and she was like, um, I was trying to get her into this role, and she was like, do you think that they'll pay me at least X, Y, and Z. When I heard that, I was like, what? You better triple that number. Yeah. Like, And don't you come back until they give you this number. And if they don't, then you know what? There's always going to be somebody else who is willing to do that for you. Mm-hmm. Like, One of the things that happened um, also is that when I went into an internship program, so I got into uh, an internship program this past summer at Adobe, and... I was working with some really great people in the tech space, something that I had never been exposed to previously. And um, before I had even came back, I had a phone interview for a particular role in innovation back in Jersey. And I was speaking to somebody and he was like, well, what you what are you going to ask for? Like, yeah. how much money are you going to ask for? I said, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I should say that about, but... Um, I basically said, well, you know, I'm going to ask for 90000 He was like, what? You're going to ask for 90000 Are you crazy? Yeah. He was like, you're, you're employed at Adobe right now. Yeah. And I said, I'm an intern. He was like, I don't care if you were sweeping floors. Like, you are at Adobe. Adobe is one of the, you know, largest tech companies. You know, you have a name on your resume that solidifies, like, who you are and the value that you're going to bring to any team that you go to. He was like, if you don't ask for six figures plus, like you are going to be truly undervalued. Mm-hmm. And then not only that, you're going to miss out on an opportunity to create this wealth for yourself in the future. Yeah. And I took that with me and I went to that job and I negotiated the salary that I felt like I deserved and mm-hmm. I got it. You got it. And that, I got it. That's yeah. the story that we like to hear. Negotiating, right. you know, for some, if you don't, how can I put this? 
Sometimes a person might not have the personality to negotiate. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, and not only that, some people don't want to miss out on a job. A job. Yeah. An opportunity that they think is sweet. Right. Not knowing that it could be so much sweeter if you actually think outside the box. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there are situations to where, you know, regardless of your qualifications, you might. I don't want to. I don't want to be rejected, and I don't want to go too high because they might not hire me. Mm. But you just never know until you actually make that attempt. Right. And it could also come from situations. And I know we've all got situations to like how we're living. I need this job now. So I'm going to just take whatever. Right. You understand what I'm saying? But hey, negotiating the business that I'm trying to get into, one of the main things that is very important is negotiating. Mm-hmm. You know, let that person throw that number out there. Yeah. But this is about how you combat, like, you know, this, okay, but listen, I hear you, but I... I don't want to say raise you because right. when you're negotiating, you know, depends on what side you want. Like, mm-hmm. my job is to get it lower. Right. Your job is to say, hey, I get think I higher. need to go higher. <laughs> yeah, I need to go higher. But that is, that, that is a tremendous story because, like I said, I hear women a lot say that they're not being treated fairly, mm-hmm. you know, as far as the pay scale go. But obviously, this is what you were born to do because it just clicked in you. I think it's about, it's about being forward, mm-hmm. like being direct. Letting people know, I know what I'm worth, and you can't, um, you can't lowball me. Yeah, you know. And I think if you come in there with that confidence, I think it's just that swag that you have to have, okay. especially when negotiating. Because if you think about it, the recruiter's job is to get you in at the lowest cost That's, possible. Absolutely, right? That would be me, and that would be you. And then <laughs> <laughs> our job as as people or as employees that are coming in new and fresh. We want to make sure that we're getting the the top dollar because we're going to have to stay at that pay scale for a long amount of time with small um, increases. That's a fact. Because it's a death. Where, wherever fact. you are, no, not too many people. I don't want to say nobody, but not too many people are going to give you that living cost, cost raise, of living. cost of living raise. Right. They're not really doing that. And as you continue to sit at your job year after year, and everything goes up. Mm-hmm. If you're renting. If you're renting and your landlord says, hey, this is how much it is now, right. you know, sign his lease because it's going up, and you might have got that 10 cent raise at your job, it ain't adding up. You understand what I'm saying? So, yes, when you do go in there, make sure you negotiate something that I guess is sustainable until you decide to go elsewhere. Right. And I just want to give just a couple small tips um, I think it's important to have, especially when negotiating, yeah. like when you go into, if you know that you're getting to that space, you know, within your interview process where you're about to start negotiating salary or the recruiter might say, hey, listen, you know, around what range are you expecting in terms of, you know, your salary? Don't give them a number, you know, instead come back with them and say, hey, listen, um, well, what does what's the reasonable like market value for a role like this? And they're normally, if they're good negotiators, they'll come back and say, well, you know what? I really would prefer a range. You have to do your homework and make sure that you know what the top end of that role um, would get paid. And you have to know, like, maybe the middle. And depending on your experience, that's what you negotiate. So if I'm coming in mid-level, I want to say, okay, I want between eighty and 90000 Allow yourself some room and always go higher than what you think you might get yeah. at least 10,000. They have wiggle room. If they say, okay, we're going to come, they're, they're always going to come in at the low end. They're going to say 80,000. Absolutely. So if you know, okay, I want 75,000, I'm going to say, 
my range is 85 to 95. Mm-hmm. They might come in on the low end of that, and they might say, wow, that's out of our ballpark. And I'll be like, you know what, when we get closer to finalizing whether this is a good fit or not, then we can go back to salary. And another way to look at it, too, because I love that, and I'm going to actually go back and take notes because I hear you. Mm-hmm. I need to write this down. <laughs> the negotiator, both parties want to feel like they won. Right. They want to feel like, so if you come in, let's just say there's a job. And they're paying eighty, ninety thousand, right? Ninety thousand is what they're paying, and you come in, man. I want a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Now you know you're not going to get that, right? Right? Or you might, you might. You depending on who you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're not going to get that. They come back and say, "Damn, give you eighty five. In their mind, they won, and in mm-hmm. your mind, well, in reality, you won because if you know that the base salary is eighty, but they just paid you eighty-five, right? So, in a sense, everybody wins allegedly, right? Because they didn't give you the hundred k that you wanted. You wasn't really shooting <laughs> for that. You were shooting for that. Don't disrespect me with anything less than eighty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I'm gonna give you enough wiggle room that you can play in between that twenty. Because if you give them, like you said, if you give them enough space in between, they'll land somewhere in there. Right. But if you say, if you go into a position and they pay 80 and you go give me 85, they might be like, listen, got 75. You feel what I'm saying? Like, they can play. Right. Because you let them. Mm -hmm. And you never take the first offer. Absolutely That's not. another one. Sorry. And that's the spooky <laughs> that's the spooky part that you got to learn. Don't take that first off. Even Okay, mm-hmm. so even if the base is 80 even and they if gave 85? Even if, nope. Never take mm-hmm. the first offer because they're going to come in on the low end. So if they say 85, that really means they had the budget for more than that. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to give you the lower end. So they'll come and say, all right, 85. You'll be like, mm, let me think about it. Mm-hmm. You give yourself a day, 24 hours tops. Think about it. And you type back, you know, whether you're communicating through email or through phone. And then you say, you know, I was looking more like 90. Mm-hmm. They'll either take it or they'll leave it. They'll be, they may say, okay, give me a day. They may yeah. go back, ask, is it okay if we give her 90? And then come back and say yes or no. Or they'll say, listen, what we can do is 85, but then... We'll give you a higher bonus mm. to give you that 90 plus then some. Like, and that's what people have to realize that even when you're negotiating salary, there's things that you can negoti- negotiate outside of salary that can still bring you to a total package of what you want. I love this conversation. I need all these gems. Like I said, <laughs> the business that I'm uh, jumping in, it takes a negotiator to get stuff done. Right. If you go in there. Now, me. See, our roles have changed when it comes to my business and your business mm-hmm. or the um You know, the example that you're using, I'm actually the guy trying to get the lowest number possible. And the product that I'm trying to get from the people that I'm actually calling, they want as much as they can get. Absolutely. And because my business is my job really to reach out to you, they'll ask me, so what are you going to give me? Mm -hmm. I fail so many times by giving them a number. Right. I should I can't be the first to give out the number. I can't. Yeah. And I've learned the hard way because once I give out a number, You're it can't be too good. First off, the number that I give them can't be more than what I can give because they might want that. Mm-hmm. If I say, hey, I want I want to get this off you and I'm going to give you 50K for something that I know is only worth 30. Right. You understand? Yes. But I want it. But I want it. I want it to sound good to them. So I want to give you something. They'll say, yeah, How I got to come up with 20K now. So it's unrealistic. 
It is. But if you know something's only worth, what I say, 30? 30. Something's worth 30, and you go in negotiating, listen, ah, I looked over some things, need a little bit of work, I can give you 10. If you're not a negotiator, you might have just hurt yourself because you're like, they're not going to take that. Oh, my God. I just set myself up. They're not going to take that. You know what I'm saying? But you just have to be confident in your negotiating skills. And on my side of the fence, what I learned is Mm -hmm. you don't need none of that. Mm -mm. I think that um, we have be comfortable. So when you're negotiating, whatever you're negotiating, understand that if I don't get it here, I'll get it somewhere else. It's not life or death. So be confident in your number and stand on it. I think. Another thing to reflect on is that you always have to come from a position of power. Mm-hmm. So even like with what you're saying, you already put yourself back by giving him a number that was too high. Yeah. And instead, maybe you could have said, listen, um, I don't have a number right now. But when I see, you know, maybe if I see the house and I can kind of gauge what, you know, I think the house will be worth yeah. right now. And even if they keep coming with a number, I'll be like, OK, this is. Here's my number. However, this is based off of X, Y, and Z. Facts. And it's going to change and fluctuate based on, you know, what what repairs on the house and, you know, you know market value, whatever you want to say. That is the thing that I should be saying and everybody that's in my profession should be saying. So for you to say that, it's like mm-hmm. you got this negotiating thing down to the T. It doesn't matter <laughs> it what, doesn't what you're matter negotiating. What you're negotiating you just got this negotiating thing down to the T. You just you just basically said what I've been practicing on saying mm-hmm. for so long. You just have to be really smooth with it. I kind of missed out on something Friday. I called a lady Friday mm-hmm. and she's just like, what you gonna give me? Right. I was like, my response should have been what do you like? You know, like, what do you want for it? Like, give me a number. Right. Like, have her give me a number. But exactly. instead, I was just like, you know what? Let me do my research. Let me call you back. I didn't call her back because no, I, I, I felt right. I messed up. I missed the opportunity because now she's expecting me to. I can't call her back and like, you give me a number because now we. It's not. It doesn't sound professional. Ex- yeah. Exactly. It doesn't sound professional. So. Come from a place of. A, power, a position of power. You always have to come from a position of fa- of power. You have to make sure that you seem like the person that's in control. You know what you're doing. You're coming in here, and you're going to help them out. And I think another thing that you have to remember is that what you're doing is more emotional. Mm-hmm. Like if they're if they plan on trusting you with this project or giving you their house, their asset. You know, this is this is something that's dear to them, and you almost have to be a person that you kind of might have to loop in the personal perspective to it like get them to kind of talk a little bit more about their life maybe have like a little conversation before you start talking numbers and say you know you know how you doing like what's going on similar to the story that you had told me and I think that that's important because you want people to see you as more than just somebody who's going to give them a check at the end of the day because there's a whole bunch of other people that are willing to give them the same check. Look how sharp you are. You see what I'm saying? Like these, the things that I'm learning, you already got down to the T. Because <laughs> just, like just like the situation I told you with one of the projects that I should be signing the contract on soon. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking and he was just telling me about how he's, you know, fresh out the hospital or things like that. And he right. has a lot of heart failure. We got on, we was talking about that. And then, so now he's confident enough, like he feels comfortable with talking to me about his property because he feels like, he feels like, you know, I got an honest guy on the phone. Right. And without seeing the property, I called him a few days ago. I was like, listen, because we've been talking for a few times, so we cool. 
So I was like, listen. Oh, just, now y'all cool. We cool. <laughs> we cool. So I'm like, you know, just looking over some things and just seeing, you know, the area. I can only do this for you. But it was a win-win for both of us because he was like, yeah, it's just sitting there. It's vacant. It's nobody's in there. So him walking away with what the least I could give him was a victory. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he's not making any money off of it. Right. So we both won because I got it so low that I could do my part mm-hmm. that my part to make the money off of. Meanwhile, he about to get a check for whatever he about to get for from a property that wasn't even nobody's living in. Right. He ain't making no money off of. Exactly. <laughs> But you wouldn't have known that if you guys didn't build that. You didn't build relation. that rapport, right? Right. Because then, talking to him, I got an understanding of his need to sell. Mm-hmm. I'm old. I'm not fixing it. I'm not doing. It. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't want nothing to do with this property. Mm-hmm. What you got for me? Exactly. So back to Echo Me Forward and back to the uh, you know the platforms that you're providing. You. Or this is for a diverse um, group of people, right? right? People of color. Yes. You've had some bumps in the road with non-people of color trying to get in. Yes. Um, your job, your your you know. They want they want the end. They want, they want the end. end. I'm the plug, and they want the end. They yes. want end. Yeah. <laughs> and they've had some choice words for you, but talk to me about you know the non-people of color who mm-hmm. you had interactions with. Absolutely. Um, so as I'm piloting the MVP or the minimum product of my technology startup, it's really more of like a manual process right now, but I'm building the connections and I'm laying down the framework to actually get this platform up and running by May 5th. So write that in your notebooks, mm-hmm. May 5th. Um, and I basically connected with somebody, very high profile team in Philadelphia. They work on innovation projects within Center City. She gave me one role to fill, and she basically said, listen, our team is great. We work well together. The only thing that we're missing is, honestly, somebody with different perspective, and I think that a person of color will be able to, you know, give us that. They had the role open for months. I want to say five months. They closed it down. They put it back up again. They still only received a small amount of applicants that were people of color, and only one person of color made it to the interview round. And she had no, you know, no insight. She's not, she's a hiring, um, a supervisor. She's in a high position. So she can't take time out to do the hiring process. Mm -hmm. She has to rely on somebody internally to give her candidates, right? And she doesn't know based on a name whether this is a person of color or not. So she basically takes people that she feel are qualified and she's like, no, no, you know, you look like me. You're going to bring in similar things and similar insights and perspectives that I bring to the table and the rest of my other teammates bring to the table too. So she asked me, listen, I would love if you can give me some personal referrals of people of color that you feel can do this role. And it doesn't mean that they have to check all these boxes. It just means can they do this role and will they do it well? Yeah. So I posted it to my LinkedIn. I posted it to my Slack channel. Um, I posted it to... Facebook and any other network that I have that I feel people of color would be able to um, access this opportunity. Um, The way that I worded it was um, a very high-profile innovation team. Um, Innovation Center is looking to diversify their team. And what I got was a lot of people... um, not people, not people of color. Yeah. Um, basically, coming back and saying that 
you know, the way you wrote it, the way you wrote the post makes me feel as if you're saying whites should not apply or Mm -hmm. whites need not apply. And one thing I have to say to anyone that's not of color that's, you know, listening right now is that diversity, diversify, anything saying diverse or be or being different does not necessarily mean that you're a person of that I'm saying a person of color or a non-person of color. Diversified could mean age. It could mean um, between men and women. It could mean culturally, generationally. There's so many facets to being diverse that if you're only looking at one perspective of it or one small um, piece of diversity, then you really have a myopic view of what diversity is. And anybody coming at me and saying that, you know, I could potentially be racist or I'm only, <laughs> I got racist. I got racist. And I'm like Afro-Latina and everything else. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting here in meetings with people of all different uh, shapes, sizes and colors. And, and yeah, they, they had the nerve to call me racist because I put diversify on a job post. And I just think about, you know, some of the things that we've had to go through. Facts. And you're telling me that this one job is going to kill you. <laughs> this one opportunity that I'm, it's just not for, it's just not, I'm just not going to refer you. Yeah. You could still apply to the job. It's on LinkedIn. It's on Indeed. It's on all these other platforms. You're just not going to apply through my platform, which is focused on people of color. And I'm going to stick by my mission. And, you know, that is, it is what it is. Listening to that, right? And you and you and you hit it. What we had to go through, right? Yes. Now, just maybe, just maybe, the likes of people like you mm-hmm. and other people of color, women, uh, mixed race, whatever. Maybe we wouldn't have these ideas to have something of our own if we felt like we were included in everything else. Absolutely. So when you see. Certain things like, you know, Black Lives Matter or things like that. Things that black people have to create to feel like we matter. Mm-hmm. Everybody seems to always take um, offense, offense yeah. to what we're just trying to get across is, hey, listen, mm-hmm. maybe we got to hire. Maybe we got to hire ourselves because that's the conversation that you have. You know what? Forget that. We don't need y'all. We'll do our own thing. Right. And then when you do your own thing. People look in and say, well, we want parts. Right, yes. You, but you don't, you don't have the struggle we have. Right. You, you don't can, have obstacles. Right. You can go apply for any job you want. Mm-hmm. Why you want what well, we... Let us... Leave us alone. It's that, let us rock. It's that feeling of feeling like something is being taken away from you. Yeah. You know, and that could be the privilege that they've had all these years. And I, they still have it. Privilege. Talk that... Yeah, it's privilege. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. still have it, you know. And it's just that feeling that... This small little opportunity, one less opportunity than the hundreds and thousands of opportunities that you already have. But mm. this one little opportunity that, you know, we're basically saying is ours. It's, yeah. You feel some type of way about. Now, we want to be huge, but think about what's ours. Not much. No. We don't got much, but we love it. And then here comes people, <laughs> non-people of color saying, we want parts of that too. Knock, knock, knock. Fan. Can I get in? It ain't, listen, it ain't really much. Right. But we love it and we're trying to build. And I've seen, you know, other black businesses, right? And black people in general, like we have to be the conscious, the heart. We have mm-hmm. to care about everybody and people really don't necessarily care about us, right? right? So when we start businesses, you might see, it might be the black people who say, man, we got to get black men, white men, Asian, Spanish, women. We like, we're the ones that really want to do it right. 
Right. And we're judged if we don't. Because if we do anything all black, all Spanish, all Latino, right? Yeah. Oh, man, they become a force. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and even, I will even add with the Tecadilla, the Latinx in tech community. So Latinx in tech actually make up even a smaller percentage of uh smaller percentage of people in tech than black people. Mm-hmm. So let's say black is 8% and Latinx is 7%, 6%. Um, so there's this community of Latinx that are really trying to build just so that they know there's other people like them around that are doing similar things. There's people that are not of color mm-hmm. or not Latinx or don't identify with this group that are trying to get in. And they will get so angry with you if you don't accept their invitation <laughs> to get into the Slack channel. And I'm like, but 90% of y'all are in tech yeah. that are, and are white. Yeah. Why do you need to get into this small right. group of people that, you know, use each other for support? Mm-hmm. Like, we understand each other's struggles. We know what we had to do in order to get to this point in our lives. And yet you want to know or be in the end, too. And it's it, it's crazy because, like you said, you were called racist. I what you're doing is not racist, right? Thank you. It's yeah, it's not racist. <laughs> a lot of the things that what black people do is not racist, even though racism comes. I think they said the true definition of racism. Don't quote me on this. It's kind of like people that can actually stop other you know races from you know prospering. You know, in a sense right. where okay, of course you get into the hiring field and position of power, mm-hmm. you then can become racist if you're trying to hold down another race. But we're not right. because all we're doing is creating something for ourselves. Your window of opportunity everywhere mm-hmm. else is still open. Right. That's exactly. the difference. If black people and Latino people couldn't get jobs, it's because somebody who didn't look like us didn't mm-hmm. want to hire us and kept hiring who they wanted to hire. Exactly. That's racist. Exactly. But we aren't that big enough. And I don't even think we got it in us to do that. Mm -hmm. We would never not hire white people. I don't think we have it in us to hate like them. I think we might hate each other more than Mm -hmm. anybody else, but that's another conversation. Absolutely. But I don't think it's in us to... Some, some, listen, some black people are real militant. I ain't gonna lie. Because it just jumped in my head. Like, there are some people who tell you, you better not marry that white woman. You can't. <laughs> don't do none of that stuff. There are some. But majority of us, I don't think we have it in us to be like, yo, we don't like you. I think that one of the discussions that need to be had, and I'm, I'm actually going to build a diversity training program within my platform so that when I am... Um, when I'm approached by a company saying, hey, listen, I want more diverse candidates to fill these particular roles, mm-hmm. I need to make sure that they have an appetite for more diverse people within their yeah. company, within mm-hmm. their culture, like built in. Because if not, then it's going to be this friction between two groups. Yeah. The group that was already there and they mm-hmm. feel like they're entitled to be here and they worked hard and they got here by whatever and then the group that's trying to get in this intimidating group bunch of diverse individuals coming to take different different right because now it's like okay well they're coming to take what's ours Mm. and there needs to be somebody in there the middle person to say listen we're just all trying to eat (laughs) we're all trying to feed our families we're all trying to do similar things they don't get that message we listen man (laughs) The world is big enough for everybody to yes. eat. Let us eat. 
it takes it's going to take coaching it's going to take training it's going to take some yeah. type of change management someone to give them a perspective almost from their side yeah and then help them see where we're coming from and it can't be this I'm angry at you. You're angry at me. Just I'm because mad. of the way you look. Right. I'm mad you call me a racist. Although I'm a little upset, it made me think and use this as a business opportunity like, hey, y'all need me to train you on what diversity means then. Yeah. Uh-huh. And y'all can pay me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Another check. Yes, exactly. Another title. Exactly. Cinco de Mayo. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Tech and tacos. Did I get it right? <laughs> Tech, yeah, you got it right. Off the top. I ain't looking at my notes. Oh, snap. I impressed myself. Yes. Tech it was that coffee at Starbucks. It was. It was. Shout out to Starbucks. <laughs> Cheap plug. <laughs> Little promo. Yeah. You have an event coming up, May 5th, Cinco yes. de Mayo. Yes. Tell us about it, Miss Boss Lady. Absolutely. So um, it's going to be a soft launch for Echo Me Forward's platform. It's on Cinco de Mayo. We have a sponsor from Tactics. At, it's going to be at 2 Logan Square in Philadelphia. Tickets are on sale for $5 right now until March 15th. Five. There is literally only four tickets left, mm. but if... We sell out of those, and you maybe send me a message of people that are interested. I'll still give you the $5 ticket, and I'm not doing that anywhere else. Like, it, once it goes up to $10, people just got to pay it. Got to <laughs> pay it. Or you just don't come. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a Tech and Tacos event. So I want to be clear that although I'm focusing on tech, I'm giving people an opportunity to network with people in high places. So there's going to be people in technology, but there's also going to be people in the startup space. There's also going to be people in finance. There's also going to be people in the healthcare and biotech industries. So if you're looking to network and you're looking to get into you know, a different career, you're looking to get a new position, or just looking to even find out about new industries, I urge you to come because... What I'm doing is very specific, um, and it has a meaning, and it's impactful. The network that I'm connecting people with may not have been a network that yeah. they could have built on their own. It's yeah. something that I've been doing for quite some time, and I'm damn good at it. So it's $5 to get into this um, this event, but you will leave with invaluable connections and experience that you know you probably wouldn't get anywhere else. Personally, being a podcaster... For going on four years, I've been to events where it's linking up with like-minded people, mm-hmm. creators, you know, and just the energy that is in places like this. Right. Bring your business cards. Yes. Bring your IG handles, whatever it is you got, and link up with other creators. And I'm telling you, you're going to go to the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to build a fortune of wealth break traditional uh, curses and all of that takes a team. Absolutely. You got an idea and you might be pushing it yourself, but to meet, to meet like-minded people, man. And you know what? Just to be in the area, just to be under the same roof or outside in the same facility with like-minded people, it kind of just kind of makes you stand up straighter. Yes. You know, because yes. once again, just like we talked about in the beginning of the episode, you have those times where you're just a worker. And you just go home to whatever it is you go home to. And then something clicks in your mind and you become that creator. You become that boss of the business. You about to start. Because you're already the boss. Whether it's making you money or not. You're already the boss. 
and you get that boss mind state, and you just, you just it just allows you to walk different, talk different, feel different, and to be around other like minded people. And mm-hmm. exchanging business cards and social media is a wonderful feeling. So I encourage you to go. Right. It is a dope event. When is this event again? It's May 5th. It's on Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. Uh, <laughs> we'll also have um, a fireside chat. You know what a fireside chat I is? I do not. Oh, come on. Stop playing. So Tell a fire- me more. <laughs> it's like an informal panel discussion. Okay. But it's where you literally sit down and you guys just spit fire conversation. I like You it. don't have like this formal okay, Bill, so I'm going to ask you a question next and, you know, this is how it's going to go. It's really like, you know, this is the theme of our conversation. This is going to be the topic and we're just going to have a conversation really real and we'll even um, engage the audience to ask questions if anybody has questions or, you know, just want to chime in on what we're talking about. So the discussion is going to be why is it important to build a sense of community and belonging within a company culture? Like, why is that important? Mm -hmm. Um, On the panel, we have uh, founder of Swirl Technologies. He's a startup founder in Philadelphia who built a tech that connects people um, to like people within the organization. So if somebody new comes on board, it actually has a matching system that will connect you to a mentor who has similar things um, in common with you. Mm-hmm. We have the senior vice president of Comcast um, for strategic development. He's Puerto Rican, so that should be really fun to hear mm-hmm. what his perspective um, we have director of partnerships from Pingy, and we also have um, head of memberships for Hispanic Chamber of Commerce for Philadelphia, and she is Caucasian. Okay, okay, yes. and we're diverse. Yes, everybody we're is all of a over, different huh? background. Yeah. I was like, I need to get somebody white on this panel, but not just somebody white, somebody who understands and is going to be real about the other Isn't side. Isn't it funny how the roles switch? Because hey. you got these white companies. <laughs> I need somebody black, damn it. <laughs> and, then, and I said, I need somebody I need, white. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we got it. But you know what? We're missing a little bit of Caucasian. Yes. We just need a little bit. Sometimes you need it. Sometimes you need it. And, you know, just it, it's just funny. Like, because, you know, for, for Rose, Rose will, will switch. And then you get that conversation as to why certain companies might want diverse. Like, listen, there's a whole world out there. Social media right. allows us to touch so many different people. We're not just touching the same people. Mm-hmm. So in order for our business to really flourish, because that's really what it comes down to. Other companies who are who want more diverse, they didn't stop being a racist or prejudiced. They just, the money is better. More green, I don't care what color you are. Absolutely. I don't care what gender you are. Right. I don't care who you love. More money, now you're talking about language. Absolutely. And I think that the numbers are showing that when teams and businesses are more diverse, they get higher returns on their business. And this is because productivity, this is because they're building products that are for the audiences that they serve. And because the population is turning more diverse, they have to include that into their company. Right, because I would definitely love to do business with people who look like me. Right, huh? exactly. That's exactly it's the simple. point. It's simple. <laughs> it's very simple, very simple. It equals dollars, and dollars make sense. Echo me forward. <laughs> Tell me how you came up with the name. Echo me forward. Um, so this took a lot of brainstorming, and I worked with a creative director friend of mine, and we just sat, and he was like, tell me what you think about when you think about this business that you're building. So I started to write down, you know, diversity and leadership and access Mm -hmm. and opportunities. And I just kept brainstorming, brainstorming, brainstorming. And we thought about Echo, something that um, kind of like 
reverberates out and then resonates with you. Mm-hmm. And to me, echo, that's basically what we're doing. Like we're echoing out information. Um, Bouncing giving, off walls. Exactly. Yeah. Giving you access to opportunities. And that sits and resonates with you. And you take that and then you echo it to somebody else. Mm. Um, and then the me forward is just real straightforward. Absolutely. Like we're pushing people forward. We're pushing generations forward. We're pus- pushing our communities forward, propelling them to be better um, within their careers, within their lives, and giving them you know access to a wealth of knowledge and success. That is wonderful. Like. <laughs> Listen, trying to come up with a title, a name, yeah. is hard. So when you came up with that and as slick as you just explained it, mm-hmm. it sounds easy, but I'm pretty sure it was like a few sleepless nights. Oh, it took some time. Yeah, some time. yeah. But when you get it, oh, my God. It's like, oh, my God. I got it. We got one. I even thought about changing it. You know, when I started the tech platform, I was like, you know, it's, it's different now. Everybody has, like, these real cool techie names. But, not, but then I realized, like, this means something, yeah. you know, to me. And I started this business three years ago based on a certain concept. And the concept hasn't changed. You know, the mission is still the same. What we're doing is still the same. It's just how we're doing it that's different. Um, and I just wanted to make sure that I stayed true to my mission. So I decided to keep my name. That's nice. So... The block is hot. If you know, you know, on this podcast, piggybacking off the title of the show, The 700 Block, I like to talk about hot shit that's on the block. Yeah. Hot shit shit that I like. Good thing. Good news. Good anything. Good vibes. And um, so with that being said, yes. you already know how this goes. We broke this down. Yeah. You want me to go first? Okay, sure. Yeah. I'll go first on what the block is hot for me. And what's hot for me is my credit score. Oh, Let yes. me tell you something. All week, I've been receiving emails about <laughs> the improvement that I've been making on my credit score. Congratulations. Thank you. And How, what's your credit score? Oh, I won't take that. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't there yet. Like you, might ha- you might need a ring. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting out of that hole I dug myself in. Mm-hmm. And a bad credit score became the norm for me. Right. To where I would walk into, not walk into a store, but just shopping. And stores now tend to ask you, do you want their personal credit card? Mm-hmm. My answer was always, no, nah, I'm not going to get it. Right. No, I'm not going to get it. And didn't care that I was saying that because it was the norm for me. Mm-hmm. So me fixing my credit really isn't about me doing getting those credit cards. It's just saying no because I don't want to. Last right. week I talked about I took a loan out because at one time I couldn't even buy my kids a Happy Meal. Oh. And I said that there was a difference between saying no because I, I know <laughs> right. and no because I ain't got it. Yes, yes. It's I a know difference that between, yes. hey, sir, would you like to um, apply for our credit card? No, I'm good. Because I'm not going to qualify. <laughs> or, nah, because I'm not going to qualify. That's where I come from. Now I'm just like, I'm good. Don't need it. Right. Exactly. Also, just walk, you, you can walk into anywhere and actually be a threat to get something a house a car anything you just want to have that on your on your jacket per se you want to have it you know? in your arsenal on your in your arsenal like yeah. you can walk anywhere and know that your credit score is good you know mm-hmm. it's, it's like your shadow it's everywhere you go and if there's actually a, um, a situation as to where you need it you know you're good and for so long i've never really i've always neglected it they gave me a sprint phone 18 Back when Sprint was just passing phones out. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about no credit. 
Don't ask me where that line went. I don't want to pay this no more. Like you, you. Right. I, I was that young. Where I was just like, ah, I don't want this no more. And you just stopped paying. And, and ever since then, the ever I think I don't know. <laughs> I listen. I've been doing so many bad things, and ever since then, it's just like. What's my credit score? That's what it is? Huh? I got money. Mm-hmm. I've always had money. You know, always like, you know, I, I know I just said I couldn't buy a Happy Meal, but eventually I always get money. Right. So if I eventually ever wanted you something. buy multiple Happy Meals. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> Fuck credit. I'll buy my Happy Meals with some money that I'm going to get. You know, so if I wanted a car, it was cash. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the places that I've lived, sometimes they've, they've looked over my credit. They've asked, they say, hey, you know, what's going on here? Ah. But because they like me. Okay, boom. So I've been able to live places because of me. Not because of my credit score. Right. Got money. But now, watching that credit score rise, knowing the importance of it, knowing that you should only spend like 30% of your credit card. Mm-hmm. You know, don't max it out just because you got it. I remember I used to do that. You know, oh, yeah. I, I, I got money on my credit card. And if that costs the same amount as my credit card, I'm getting it. Absolutely. I'll pay it off. That's just not how it works So the block is hot man Because my credit score is going up And I finally am getting it I'm getting it Good getting job it. Yeah, That's it. such a good accomplishment huh? Yeah I hate credit yeah. <laughs> I'm a finance person Has anyone ever told you That finance people are Like the worst At their own personal finances Like I could budget Million dollar books mm-hmm. <laughs> Million dollar businesses Yeah okay But yet my personal budget I just I'm like I know the numbers in my head. I'm like I don't really want to work. I don't really want to think about how much I'm actually like spending and It's kind of like people who aren't good at relationships giving relationship advice, but it'd be good. But then you go, "Ah, you're not even following your own stuff, though, exactly, pal." Exactly, exactly. That don't mean it ain't good, though. Uh-uh. I mean, I know I know what I'm doing wrong. I just I'm not going to stop shopping, so Yeah, yeah. I know what I'm doing wrong, but let me tell you what it is. I'm not going to stop doing it. But exactly. I'll tell you. I'll give you the advice all you want. What's hot for you? So, I know this is kind of one note for me today, but the block is hot in technology. Talk about but it. But not just technology, technology for people of color. Yes. And I want to say this to set because of the fact that in 30 years, 52% of the workforce will be minorities. Mm-hmm. They will be people of color. And there's going to be jobs specifically in the technology industry that is going to be need to be filled and do the numbers yeah who are they going to need to be filled by if not by us by who that's a fact i'm saying this to say that there's an opportunity right now for people of color to get into the technology space and literally grow your wealth right now and i think a lot of the barriers and you can chime in whenever you want but i think people say i don't have a college degree facts I don't have the money to go back to school. Facts. The time. I got kids. Right. And then also I don't have the money to afford the programs. So I'm going to give you. They're afraid of loans. They're afraid of borrowing money, having to pay Mm -hmm. it back because of the horror stories they hear. Mm -hmm. So. And I'm going to break all those down for you. So you have no excuses to not get into this space. And one is there's programs out there that have income sharing. So basically you go out, you do the program absolutely free. And then once you graduate, they take a percentage of your salary when you get a job over a certain amount. So it could be fifty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000. And they say, okay, when you start making $70,000, I'm going to take 5% out of your check until you pay me back for this program. Mm-hmm. So it's absolutely free until you graduate and get a job. So that's one program. Um, another thing is 
Um, so we said education. So you do not need to have a college degree to get into these programs. Mm-hmm. You can be in college. You can be out of college. They don't ask you for your education. Um, and there's also, like, no barriers to entry. All you have to do is be willing to pay, you know, once you graduate. And then what was the other one? I said money. Um, Time. Time. Well, okay, so a lot of the programs are online, Mm -hmm. so you don't actually have to be there to do the programs. And they also um, have them at night. So if you're better at, you know, face-to-face learning and you actually want to be in person with somebody, they have night programs and also part-time programs. So I'm a single mom. I'm probably going to do one of these programs just to make myself, you know, that much better in the marketplace Mm -hmm. if any of this stuff doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, work out, but I know it will, but just in case. Yeah. Um, and I want to recommend car- uh, Career Karma. So if you go to Career Karma, it's an app. It, bakes, it basically holds you accountable to your programs, and it also gives you access to um, boot camps. It's a free app that you can go online right now, and you basically get access to applications for all of the technology boot camps. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. But... We had to come to an end to the show. We definitely have some more for y'all. But, man, time flew. We had a dope interview. Um, but once again, tell the people where they can find you. Right. We are again. Uh, absolutely. So Social medias. You can find me on Instagram at The Social Professional, just as it says. And you can also um, find me at Echo Me Forward for my business. And Facebook, Shannon Morales. That's it. Yep. And this was the 700 Block Podcast. We out.